0: you're listening to the big picture with Edwin Eisendraft on Wcpt820.
1: He is a presidential fellow at the University of Illinois, helping the whole system develop initiatives in urban sustainability. Hint is a Chicagoan, I'm grateful for that. And uh, for two years in the Obama administration, Dr. Wibbles was the assistant director of the Office of Science uh, and Technology Policy at the White House, uh, where he was the expert on climate science. His whole bio is so impressive that reading only its highlights would leave no time for our conversation. But I have to tell you this part. He won the Nobel Prize in 2007. He's the guy who figured out that CFCs were causing the ozone hole and played a leading role in, in, you know, in the passage of the Montreal Protocol, which changed all that. And, you know, put differently, uh, I'm happy to welcome to the show the guy who saved the planet. Dr. uh, Thank you for joining us.
0: Well, thank you, Edwin. First of all, though, I should say that uh, I shared a Nobel Peace Prize that was won by the IPCC, uh, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's, I was not the one who discovered the effects of um, CFCs on on ozone. That was actually. Uh, Dr. Sherry Rowland and Dr. Mario Molina, good friends of mine. I did many papers with them, but, um, uh, but I, I did do lead uh, various chapters in, uh, the assessments of ozone and climate, uh, that, uh, does mean, I guess I get, I have a tiny bit of a, of a Nobel Peace prize. All
1: right. So for those of you who are listening, this is the difference between talking to a scientist and talking to somebody in politics right? The scientists focus on the data and making sure that when, when there's a fact, you know where it comes from, correcting the record when it's wrong, not taking credit where it isn't due. And and when I hear this from you, and frankly, from everyone in your field, because it's a way of thinking, it's so stunning to me that folks in politics think they know better than you on climate science.
0: <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. And uh, I certainly have Face the wrath of uh, various people who refuse to believe the, what the science tells us, um, and uh, and because of that, uh, get nasty emails and sometimes letters about me in Wall Street Journal and other places. But yeah. but alas, we try to keep pushing the, the truth and the, and what the science tells us.
1: Well, so let's talk about what the science tells us uh, because this week. The forest fires, millions of acres on fire in Canada, caused an enormous disruption in the east coast of the United States, not to mention to the ecosystem in Canada. Is it fair to think that fires like this are the result of climate change?
0: Well, you know, the individual fire doesn't start because of climate change, but what we're seeing is much more acreage burned. Because of the changes in climate, and that's because the warmer temperatures are leading to drier soils, the trees are drier, and so when a, a fire starts, it's more likely to be a big, bigger fire than it used to be. So yes, climate change is certainly having an impact, and we can see that very clearly in looking at the trends over the last uh, three or four decades and how fire uh, for uh forest fire intensity has greatly increased
1: let's go through the list of those things that have greatly increased or greatly decreased or rate greatly changed uh, as we have dumped more and more uh i I don't want to just say carbon dioxide because i guess there are other uh uh, other chemicals that we've put in the air that may even be worse uh, like methane um Mm -hmm. go ahead
0: well, uh, carbon dioxide is the, the largest single-changing gas uh, that is a heat-trapping gas in the, in, in the atmosphere. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, methane, nitrous oxide, the chlorofluorocarbons, actually, uh, that humans mm-hmm. have put in the atmosphere um, are also heat-trapping gases. And then there's particles like soot that also have a heat trapping effect, so we you know we so we we fully take into account all these different aspects of what's in the atmosphere when we start looking at explaining what has happened in the past changes in climate and also make projections for the future
1: and And before we get into those projections, let's talk about the consequences as you said um, l- larger fires when a fire starts um what else are we seeing rising sea levels right
0: certainly yes rising sea levels uh actually you know 25 percent of that uh, carbon that goes into the atmosphere ends up in the oceans and that is mm-hmm. causing the ocean to become uh, less basic it's called the acidification of the oceans and that's having an impact on certain life forms in the ocean um uh, and so, doctor, let that. me
1: interrupt you for one second. Um, for those of you who are listening who aren't chemists, less basic does not mean like less simple. It, it means not acid. as a, not as much acid in the ocean. More, it's a it's a yeah. It's a I don't know what to call it, but they're
0: well. The pH in the ocean is a little under seven, and so yeah. it's a. Is what we would call a basic solution, um, but it, uh, but it's, uh, or slightly overset. I'm sorry, and it's uh, it's actually uh, uh, becoming less basic, so it's becoming acidic. More, you know, which has far- got
1: to affect all of marine life.
0: It has a big effect on shell life, and then of mm-hmm. course that then feeds through the entire system. So that's what, that's a concern. More precipitation is coming as larger events. And we're we're getting many more kind of severe events. You know, more heat waves, um, more flooding, more droughts. You know, more tornadoes, think um, I, tornadoes. You know, we're getting, tending to get ter- more tornado outbreaks. You know, tornadoes mm-hmm. themselves individually uh, have a counteracting effect uh, within them. You know, some aspects of our tornado would get more intense, you know, get stronger. Other aspects will get weaker. So. We don't tend to talk about tornadoes themselves changing, but we do see, because of the extra energy in the atmosphere from those gases and all the energy they're absorbing, that is trying to escape to space, and, we, and the fact they're there doesn't allow that energy to escape, escape to space, um, means that we have more energy in the atmosphere, bigger storms, more concerns about tornadoes than we've had in the past. And also so, more intense hurricanes.
1: Mm, right. You, you, you are a, you, You're thinking about something that is so... Um, mind-bogglingly big that it's hard for the rest of us to sort of begin to put together all of the th- things that are related. I mean, I, I, I think, for example, will Illinois, th- th- this state that has grown up as a corn producer, will we be able to be producing corn in 10 years? And if if the answer is, you know, all of agriculture is changing, then what does that mean for food security around the planet? What does that mean I mean, just, these systems are all connected, and they're big, big systems. So I guess no, I want to yeah. understand, like, uh, my corn question I'm really curious about, but I also want to understand how the science, how you cope with such complexity.
0: Well, I'm, I'm kind of a broad thinker. Uh, and so I, I I look at many aspects of these issues I've led many different assessments of the science and, and as a result look at many aspects but I should also mention I'm a farm boy from southern Illinois you know i I grew up on a farm my my dad was a farmer um, and so i uh, so agriculture has always been an important part of my life Uh and so, if, if we look at corn and beans, the you know the favorite crops in in Illinois, um, we can expect them to continue. We'll we'll still be growing corns and beans in thirty years from now, twenty fifty or so, um, and, and probably beyond. Um, but and and we'll probably see some continuing improvements in the genetics of the of the of the plants. Um, maybe even the ability to be able to you know, more effectively deal with drier summers, which is one of the things we expect. But I, if, if we don't see really major changes in the plants themselves, we can expect decreasing yields over time. Mm. Because of the, the increasing heat, uh, the summers being drier, as I mentioned, drier soils, and, and therefore affecting um, uh, the overall yields. And on top of that, Wetter springs and and winters, meaning it's going to be hard. It's harder many years to be able to get into the field soon enough. Now this year was mm. actually that way, but there are many years where farmers around here in central Illinois have um, uh, difficulty getting in the field in the spring because they're just too wet.
1: I saw um, I saw an old presentation of yours, and one of the slides was a map of the country where the state of illinois sort of detaches and floats south as mm-hmm. uh, weather in illinois starts to um i guess be more like weather used to be in places south where would illinois be you know if we were back in 19 i don't know 65.
0: Oh. In terms of that kind of map, I haven't really done that. I've only looked at it in terms of what does that mean for Illinois in the future, particularly in the summers.
1: Um, okay, Let's go, we, we can go forward. That's okay.
0: Yeah, so if you look in the summers, you know, I haven't shown that graph, actually, for a number of years now. So you're looking at an old summer. But, but it's still holds. I've actually looked at the science in terms of, you know, what – so the idea was, what would – the state of Illinois look like in terms of its average temperature and precipitation in the summer months, um, uh, by 2050 or 2100, depending on which scenario, that means, you know, which choices do we make about future emissions of these gases and particles? Um, you know, how much are we going to continue to heavily burn fossil fuels and emit all those gases and particles into the atmosphere? And that, uh, And that meant uh, by 2100, we were talking uh, Illinois being like Dallas, Texas. Well, it ends up you can still grow corn in northern Texas. My youngest son lived in Texas, in Dallas area, until uh, two years ago. And uh, yes, you see see corn there. It doesn't produce as well. And so, um, so it's a very different climate than what we're used to here. When he moved down there, they, every summer was, every day in the summer was essentially above 90, well over 90 degrees. Well, that's not what it is in Illinois. And, you know, it, so it's a very different climate than what we're used to.
1: Well, in places like Phoenix, um, I, you know, they, 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 they now they have a water uh, problem. They have to limit the amount of water they take from the Colorado River. But the heat seems to be... I mean, I don't think people in Chicago know how hot it gets in Phoenix all summer and stays.
0: Yeah, so there's is, many days that are above 120 degrees. And that is a point at which uh, you really can't be outside for more than a few minutes without having serious health. So yeah. uh, that's uh, uh, you know, that's one of my concerns. The concerns of the science community is, are some places like Phoenix going to become essentially unlivable as we progress and, through this country? And-
1: and uh, your science encompasses because it has to the whole planet so i'm thinking of of i don't know chunks of saudi arabia which are already pretty hot um in the in the gulf or places in africa Mm -hmm. or i mean uh, or or islands in the pacific that will be underwater i mean there there appear to be parts of the world where where will not easily be habitable by humans anymore
0: and we're going to have severe impacts. We're going to have. Uh, I, I really expect there to be major issues with immigration in the future, both within the United States uh, and with uh, outside the United States. Where, uh, as as we talk about the the dry getting drier and the wet getting wetter, so you know, a place like Phoenix getting even drier, um, or you know, Southwest United States. But that's also true of Saudi Arabia and. Um, North Africa and many other areas that people can currently live, how long will they be able to continue living there in the future?
1: Yeah, and we do such a good job with migration right now. I think (laughs) we better figure out a better way to deal with it because people have always moved for better weather, for better climate, not just weather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, well, has we there been war- in the Chicago area not
0: too long ago of people uh, moving out of Chicago and heading to the south. And My response when that was raised to me at, a, at one of my talks was, well, to give them a few decades, they'll be back, because that's going to want to live in the south- southeast United States um, by 2050. It's going to be brutal.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have water, for sure, and the weather is... Today, certainly lovely, but it's not, the climate generally is very tolerable. So, if you look at, um, let's talk about what some of the costs are. We just talked about migration as being certainly an enormous political challenge for the world, a very destabilizing globally so uh, I suppose it has national security implications for countries what are the other costs that people have looked at of of our continued arrogant ignorance but my words not yours about climate
0: yeah well the biggest concerns are not the temperature change that's in of itself you know average temperature change going up is interesting but that's not where the real impacts are the impacts are because of Changes in extreme weather, and also because of sea level rise, and and we've already seen over the last since 1980, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, has been tracking what are called the billion dollar events inside the United States, and that the number of such events have drastically increased over that time uh, to the point where uh, and it and it doesn't for inflation, but. We've already seen well over a trillion dollar impact on the American economy because of this increase in uh, extreme events. And, and so I, I, people tell me, oh, I, climate change isn't affecting me. Why should I worry about it? I say, well, it is affecting you. It's affecting you through your te- your, the taxes you pay. You just may not realize it's affecting you because that trillion dollars has to come from somewhere.
1: Well, so we've we spent a trillion dollars. I guess that impact is spending. So we spent a trillion dollars um, in in I don't know repairs or 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 maybe mitigation if we can. And That's,
0: effect. that's not effects on lives or It's just
1: infrastructure. Right. So, so I read. I, I I think I read recently that major insurance companies are now redlining, very large areas in California and Florida and just saying, look, we're not going to insure your homes. Like you Mm want to build there when the the big bad wolf huffs and puffs and blows your house down, you're on your own. Um, That I think, have a major uh, impact on people's decisions about where to move.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, the insurance companies are looking at the risk. They're associating that with how the risks are changing with the changing climate. And, yes, determining they're no longer going to provide insurance in certain areas.
1: Right. So that means banks will no longer lend in those areas. I mean, I just I, I'm I'm just bowled over with the impact when I start to think through the consequences. Oh, me and you live with this stuff. <laughs> I do. I mean, I can touch it for a few minutes and then I got to go like take a walk because it's it's terrifying.
0: It is. Yeah, I uh, I, it's along with my I'm semi retired from the university. I I came back as 40 percent. And but I also have a company called Earth Knowledge. I'm heavily involved with. And to all of our employees of this company, which, you know, it's only 30 com- people right now, but growing rapidly, um, I send out daily, you know, what's happening around the world with climate change. And they've gotten to the point where they call them Don's Downers, uh, because every, every one of them is just saying how sad things are with what's happening with uh, the changing spells the you know, the wildfires, the, the mm-hmm. increased intensity of storms, etc. cetera. Um, and unfortunately, that's what's happening.
1: And are you seeing um, uh, species extinction as part of this? Yes.
0: Yeah, so it's another part of our company is to look at what's called nature um, capital, and that includes biodiversity, mm-hmm. um, land use change, water resources, et cetera. And biodiversity is a major issue uh, throughout the world, uh, including the Chicago area. Huh.
1: And I suppose in the oceans as well.
0: Oh, very much so. Big, big problem.
1: Well, and all of that then goes back to my concerns about food security for people, I guess. I mean, I don't know how you change the uh, ecosystem when it comes to what's alive and what isn't and not have it right. impact the, the way we currently feed everyone.
0: No, it's certainly a big issue. And, uh, um, in January, I submitted a proposal to two international organizations to hold a, a major uh, sustainability research and innovation congress in Chicago in June 2025. This will be the first of the such congresses to be ever held in the United States. Uh, they've been held in uh, – this will be the fifth – ours will be the fifth one. This is the third one being held this year in Panama in a couple of weeks, and I'll be attending that. But the, when uh, – and, and as part of that, we're going to have themes for what are, you know, we consider major issues relating to that Congress that we want to talk about for Chicago. Uh, and the first one was cities. You know, what, you know that 70% of um, the population, uh, about 80%, I think, currently in the United States, but worldwide, uh, about half now and 70% by mid-century were living in cities. And so cities are a major aspect of what's happening with climate change. The second one was, what are we going to do about water, fresh water? We have, we're lucky. We have the, the Great Lakes, which accounts for 21% of the fresh water in the world right in our backyard. But but that's not true of much of the country or other many other countries. How are we going to deal about that? Um, uh, the third one is, and, how can we get industry involved? And then the fourth one is the Food and agriculture. What are, uh, and how are we going to use innovation and research to really effectively deal with the food needs of the world over the coming years?
1: Those are big and really important topics. I, I, help me with the with the city topic. I've always thought that it's actually better for the world that we live in cities. I mean, the uh, if Chicago had another million people in it, we wouldn't have to have one more streetlight. You know, to to illuminate them, we have the the just the infrastructure scales across more people. That's, but that may be way too simplistic.
0: Well, as a farm boy, I I, I would have a lot of difficulty with that. i would always always to avoid the city I'd be living where the rural life.
1: I guess I when you live without the street lights, you can see the stars. It's it's a, a trade off. There is a trade off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nature's nice. um, right right it's just that there are too many of us to live any other way
0: no, no that's true and there's a lot of benefits to living in the city of course and and as i said people are are tending to live more in cities so how are we going to make cities more sustainable and more resilient to the changes that are happening
1: so um what's the good news um are we making progress i you know the the last infrastructure bill that passed included lots of incentives to move the country to greener energy um and and i have talked to people who are really celebrating that on this show but i haven't talked to anybody who actually knows the science Uh, what's your assessment of where we are and where we're going
0: well i i tend to be optimistic i still remember when we when we released the uh Third National Climate Assessment at the White House in 2013. Um, I said I, I, how optimistic I was about our ability to deal with this. And I still remember a reporter I know very well from the Associated Press. i Don, How can you have any optimism about all this? Well, <laughs> and, but, but the truth is, if we really decide to solve this problem, we will. And we have the solutions at hand. We have alternative energy capabilities that we can put into action. We are putting into action. Perhaps not enough yet, but we can. Uh, solar and wind, and there's many others, uh, that we can, we can put in place. And we're going to replace those fossil fuels with these alternatives and not really change our lifestyles. We're going to have to change our economy. In fact, maybe even improve our economy. Um, and, and that's probably a subject for a different day, but and the same with transportation. You know, we're developing new battery systems that aren't even out yet that are going to totally change the way we look at at transportation. We don't need to be using internal combustion engines burning gasoline. Um, so I, you know, I really believe that the solutions are there, and we just need to have the gumption and the decision-making to be able to decide that that's what we're going to do.
1: Well, I guess we did some of that in the last Congress, so I'm, that, that, that yeah, well, makes me feel a lot better. The
0: deduction act is really a major step in the right direction, and uh, uh, and hopefully you know, it doesn't get done in by this Congress. But uh, that that happily really we
1: still is have a veto pen for a, that.
0: Wait to, to to where we need to be.
1: I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I've learned a tremendous amount. And um, I would love to do it again sometime and explore some of these a little deeper.
0: Sure. Happy to. Um,
1: and good luck uh, in Panama and in preparation for uh, this big conference that you'll bring to Chicago.
0: Very good. Yes. It's going to be exciting. You'll, you'll be seeing a big announcement about that uh in the coming months, uh, I think the mayor and the governor and president of our university uh, and many other people will be involved in a major uh, um, uh, press release, or press conference about uh, that that conference happening, because it's going to be a big deal.
1: I appreciate the scoop. Thank you. <laughs> I won't. I won't go out and then write about it and, and take their thunder. But thank you very much. Really, it was an honor to talk.
0: Well, thank you, Edwin. Appreciate it.
1: Take care. All right, everybody. That was um, <laughs> a remarkable man, Don Um uh, one of the world's greatest experts on uh, climate and climate science. Um, Uh, truly remarkable. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We are not done talking about the environment. We're going to talk about it much uh, closer to the ground when we come back. And we're going to go, oddly enough, back to Iowa.
0: Stay tuned.